Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest uh, James Perry Presents. And this is a very special one because it's all the way from Dubai. All very exciting stuff. And I'm with Silky Glab, and it's great to have you on the show. Um, Silky, it's. I know that we've been connected on LinkedIn now probably for about a year or so. Um, yes. And yes. that's probably through with Dr. Natalia and then with Zeta, etc. And just looking at your content and things are going, yeah, we'll have to connect up and do something here. So thank you very, very much for joining me on that. It's, it's, it's great to have you. So yeah, tell, thank you very much for inviting me. No problem. Tell me about your background then and you know, how have you got to in, into the psychology field and, and into the human behavior sort of space? How did that happen? Okay, yeah, I, I call myself now a human behavior expert and a consulting psychologist. So I actually studied psychology many years back. Mm -hmm. My master's degree is in psychology, but it was already on organizational psychology. And later during my career, I added things like neuro-linguistic programming, yeah. hypnotherapy, energy work, systemic work, and uh, lately also neuroscience. And all have to do with changing and enhancing human behavior and get a better feeling about yourself, know yourself better as a human, and feel better as a human. So you would deal with clients, is it one-to-one -one, or do you deal with corporate groups or, or is, it, is it a mixture of everyone? Uh, currently I work as a counselor in, in a school, but I also work in corporates as a trainer and consultant. So I can work with individuals, but also with groups. And with individuals is more people in executive positions who okay. want to really increase their performance and uh, yeah, have a better standing, be more in that flow state. Uh, that's fantastic stuff. I've, I've been with an executive coach as well, and it's really, really helped me and my thinking. And I suppose where I never thought I could change my thoughts or my mental capacity, whereas now I've went full circle. Now I know that I can. And it's through that, that it's through that coaching that really, really helped me. So tonight we're going to be talking about the fears of, of, of an entrepreneur. And as a relatively new entrepreneur myself, um, probably down two or, two or three years down this path, I've been wrecked with lots of fears. But what, would be the, what would be the common fears you would see, Silke? Yeah, I would like categorize it in, in four categories. The first one I, I think is a lot about the fear of rejection. And with this, I mean that we fear that we would not get enough clients as an entrepreneur, that our services are not picked up. So this sense, okay, I have great things to offer to the world, but now nobody is picking up. The next one I would say is the fear of loss. Fear of loss is the first thing you have maybe worked in a corporate uh, setting before. You will, there's the fear to lose your comfort, your regular income yeah. you had every single month. 
uh, also your work colleagues, often as an entrepreneur, you start as a single person, maybe with one partner, you will also lose your contacts. Maybe you also lose your work-life balance because in the beginning, you have to really invest quite an amount of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, I would say, is the second category. The third one would be that you think you're not enough. You don't have it what other people are stemming up here. You're not this great entrepreneur and you may lose because you don't have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you may pretend and you have all everything put in place, your website and everything. But deep inside, you may fear that you're not enough. And that would also be sort of comparing with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. So that you can, and you you see, okay, they are succeeding now. They're already there. And I'm still with this amount of clients. So I'm not enough. Others, maybe if you did a course, others are flourishing and me not. It's what you said, exactly. This social comparison. And in the end, I'm, I'm, inferior than the other ones yeah yeah and the last one is a very strange one you would not expect that that's fear of success (laughs) that people actually have fear of success it comes with responsibilities what will i do with the money i earn maybe that you also believe that you lose your old friends because if you're now so successful Maybe uh, you're not on the same level uh, anymore. And again, you, lose, you may fear to lose your work-life balance. So this, for I would say, brings together a lot of fears of entrepreneurs. The fear of rejection, fear of loss, fear of not being enough, and fear of being too successful. Um. And what success brings with you definitely with me the fear of success is a massive thing um and it's probably being conditioned probably through my parents and through my father especially where he has always he's always came from a working class background and because my my father was actually one of 15 children of massive family and he had to go to work at 14 to bring money back into the house so he went into a factory and worked in the same factory for 35 years, hence reinforcing his belief that he was just a working class Perry. Yeah. And that came down to me, yeah. down, down the line to me. And it's something that I've had to break through and go, I'm actually more than, than that limit that you're putting on yourself. So hence that fear of success. So okay, I've had to try and really bust through and to say, yes, I am worth, I actually am worth this. And, but it's just getting that routine and getting that belief and just, what, what would you say to someone, Silky, then, in terms of if they had that fear of success, how, how'd you get around that? Yeah, especially when you say this, uh, relating back to your story, you grew up, you were conditioned yeah. in a yeah. way that entrepreneurship was not on the agenda. Yeah? It was someone worked for many years in the same workplace. Yeah. So you never saw role models, how, how 
well, what is the mindset of an entrepreneur? What, what's really going on? And as a child, you absorb your environment. So you're conditioned what you see and what you hear and what values of others are. If you were not given those values, you have to get them on your own. Either you, you see others, you relate with other people, you watch YouTube videos, you, you read books, and then slowly you adapt new values and new beliefs and shape something which was not there before when it comes especially to success. Others, they see, okay, now with success, you have to invest a lot in it, yeah? And then people say, but then I lose my freedom on one side before yeah. my, my life was quite scheduled, but now I have to put things on social media. I have to engage with people. And this takes a lot of my free time. And often in the first two to three, invest quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you have that success, people, even don't have that mindset. I did once a course on wealth mindset. People don't have that to really think, okay, I can earn $10,000. So the first thing is, what I will do with $10,000? Yeah? yeah, it's also you, you're not on a certain level that you know what you will do with that money. And there's also this law of attraction, which tells you, Money needs a purpose. So if you don't know what you will do with that money, the money will also not come. Yeah, I, I've heard the example of someone saying, you know, they're wishing, they're wishing for money and they close their eyes and they wish the law of attraction will bring them money. And someone get, comes along and gives them five pounds. There you go, you've got money. Well, it's because you never asked for the exact amount. It actually didn't work yeah. out. You got money, but it was only five pounds. So I completely yeah. get that. It's probably to be very, very focused on what you want to achieve, which is definitely incredibly important. Um, one thing as well, just to pick up on, Silke, was you were saying about the, the fear of loss. And I had to go through that decision myself where I took a 12-month career break last December. So I, I lost that steady income, that monthly income, where now I, I actually don't have that security. And it peaks and troughs. So I'm coaching a lot of exam students around July time. And now I'm a bit quieter. So and that does put a fear in my mind massively. And, you know, yeah. especially earlier in the year, I was going, well, I might actually have to go back to my nine to five job. But that's a fear that definitely I'm trying to work on. So it's a very, is, have you any tips with that particular fear? How do you work with the fear of lack or with the fear of loss? That, that's actually a, a kind of warning system of your body. Yeah? Right. And yeah. you were brave enough to say, okay, I, I reached my limit. Yeah, I tried it. And, uh, and you said, okay, now uh, be realistic. I have to go back to nine to five just to gain some income back. And then out of this regular income, this is what I often say to people. If you have not worked in a kind of industry you already have contacts in. Yeah. Yeah. That you I, I know people who worked in a certain field and out of their contacts they created their own entrepreneurship. 
if you start from zero, either you start while you're still working and you build it up for a couple of years, or you say, okay, now uh, I have uh, saved some, some money and I try it out and try to get one job at least who gives you some income during the time when you're still building up. Yeah. For out of my experience, I've rarely met someone who had the business up in a, in a short while. Maybe a partner still had an income yeah, that you could concentrate only on your business. But there was, in, your, in the partnership, there was another person chipping in some money or you have a, another job on the side who brings you something in. And I think you don't need to feel like like a loser if you still need some regular income. I think that's quite realistic. And uh, yeah. I, I suppose and, for me, it's putting the, the trust in the process that there is a definite yeah. a number of steps you have to take that you can't become an overnight success like that, that you have to sort of trust yourself and believe that this process will work. Um, no, yeah. certainly it's, there's definitely a lot of belief you have to put in, your, in yourself there as well. So, fears, yeah. I, I always say don't like reject fears. Fears also have a certain meaning. They, they give you a, a warning, kind of gut feeling which comes with it. And sometimes it's unrealistic, but sometimes it also has its purpose. And the first step is to figure out what this voice, what this fear is actually want to tell you. Yeah. yeah, that's the first step. And to write down, this is the, the first approach I would use. It's normal coaching to find out what are these voices? What, what is the impact? What they really want to tell you? And then see it like, you are coming, like in a Muppet show, yeah? There is a who wants to start his business. He has brilliant ideas, yeah? And there are these two gentlemen in the audience who are always giving these kind of warnings, yeah? This, I would say these are these uh, fear warnings. They always want to tell you something, yeah? yeah. Yep. And to differentiate these two voices and to listen to these warning voices and ask them, are you now really want to benefit me? What is the impact? What do you really want to tell me? What is the warning behind it? And then learn to talk back to these voices. Yeah, to say, okay, now you, you, you're very fearful of your success, but, but what is the warning behind it? Is the warning, that even if I have money, I should be grounding myself? Is it that I would lose my work-life balance? Is it that I could caught up in too many in actions, transactions, and then I totally lose time? And if you have found out what these voices really mean, then you can come up with Kermit, yeah, this kind of rational guy, and say, okay, now, if you want to warn me of work-life balance, then let's make a plan of it. Yeah, how can I 
outsource right. some certain things. Yeah, how can I handle customer service better? Do I have to see individual clients, or do I have to do it more in groups? There's always something, or this loss, what you have when you quit your job, this regular income, it's a real warning. Yeah. So what will you do if you if a business doesn't pop up as such? Yeah. Yeah. Then it has to say, okay, that's actually a very important point. What can I do then to avoid that I don't have money at all anymore? Maybe I need a side job or I, I, I have some investments. Maybe with my last savings, I do an investment and through this I get some monthly income. Yeah, And then uh, I, I can still build up my, my own entrepreneurship. This, I would say, is, is very important. The first step to really write down, get in contact with these voices in the background and find out what they really want to tell you. And then bring in Kermit, your rational thinking, and start a discussion with these voices. It's very, very interesting. Um, yeah. I, I think in terms of you're talking about planning, at the, mo at the moment I'm reading a book by Michael Gerber, I think it's called The E-Myth, um, The yeah. Entrepreneurial Myth. I'm starting to read it. And he is talking about planning around the three entities that you become whenever you start to own your own business. So you're automatically the technician because you've probably come out of employment by being very good at some role. So you still need to be the technician but then you need to be the manager and manage everything else around that, especially whenever you're dealing with staff, et cetera. And then you have to take on the entrepreneurship. You have to dream about the future. You have to get creative and things like that. And his main tip is what you quite, quite rightly said, is to plan each of those stages. But your, your suggestion about talking to Kermit and talking to these voices and actually having a bit of self-inquiry is absolutely yeah. fantastic. definitely very very useful because you you have experiences and you have been in different situations even in your previous company where you had to manage something out of sudden yeah. where you just had to focus on your technical stuff and sometimes you were involved in like innovative thinking of your department and it's true you take up all these roles and sometimes, okay, what is more important? Of course, it's very nice to be the entrepreneur, to think about the future, what all could be, but what will you do if the present tells you there's still no money coming in, yeah? Then you have to become the technician and figure out something to, to get the income in. Yeah, because and, for, for, for yeah. me, for me, starting my um, accounting, accounting exam coaching business, I was really excited at the start. You know, you get a logo, you get a logo, and you get branded paper. Yeah. And build a website. Yeah. This is great, and I'm going to take over the world. And then I go, hold on, I've got to go and win clients. So I have to learn about social media. I have to learn about writing an ebook. I have to go and learn about you know social selling. I have to go and learn about building a personal brand. It was absolutely crazy and just trying to learn all those things. But the excitement of going, wow, I'm an entrepreneur, suddenly died to the reality of, oh my God, I've got loads of work to do. So I suppose it's trying to 
to see past the the dreams, etc., and back into reality. But getting that plan is very, very key. Definitely is. Yeah. Uh, in terms, and, sorry, yes. Yeah, I also wanted to say the this drive of entrepreneurship. This has to be a high value for you, mm. because values are much stronger than beliefs. If you really have that, that you want to bring a certain service to the world because of A, B, C, D, and this why is very strong and it's one of your highest values, it will always give you the energy and the compass to move on. The other one is another attitude you need is this uh, perseverance. Yeah. Yeah, to hold in and to be excited about learning something new and marketing skills. This is now where the technical part comes in, a business plan. A lot of business coaches I, I hear and see and even trained with, they were very much on the vision, the marketing, but what really missed was a proper business plan the really technical part of it. How will you make it happen? What kind of revenue do you actually need from where is that coming from? And I think that's the manager part of it. And this I find the foundation of any business before you come with marketing and social media ideas. It needs a proper foundation and your entrepreneurship drive should be your highest value. And going back to the fears we had, the the first level was coaching work, yeah? Yes, yes. The second one is energy work. That's another level I, I work with people. And this is where you figure out, for example, to find out your beliefs behind your fear. For example, you have the fear of success. Yeah, or the fear to step out what generations before you didn't do, the fear to go a new path. Yeah, and then you ask yourself, what is the worst thing which could happen if I follow that path? And then you drop more and more down to find the bottom belief. So okay, what is the worst thing which can happen and how does this make me feel? We can start with you if you have, for example, the belief, I'm not allowed to go on a new path. Then I would ask you, what is the worst thing which could happen if you now divert what everybody before you did and you go into another direction? What would be the worst thing which could happen? The worst thing for me would be that I don't have any more clients and that I go back to my nine to five job. So actually, I. And, yeah, how, how does this make you feel that you have to give up and go back to your nine to five job? The, what kind the, of feeling comes up? The, the, the feeling is that of um, I'd be stifled, I would be restricted. And I wouldn't have flexibility to actually live my life. 
Yeah, but, but that's from your mind. But what is the real feeling if you... Oh, well, the minute you actually said that to me, my gut, I felt it in my gut. And it was this reaction. Yeah, and what was, yeah, and what was the feeling? Was it ashamed? Was it defeated? It was, was actually it? a nervousness. So being quite nervous of that. Um, and shame, probably, definitely, yes. Because I've probably got my brand out to such a level now that my fear now would be, what would other people say? Yeah, yeah. So and that's then right. from I, I actually felt that yes. my gut whenever you said that. Yeah, so what will other people say? This means they will, other people will uh, laugh about me or other people? So, yeah. so James, uh, James has went out and done videos and done this and put himself out there, but look, he hasn't actually achieved things that he was he, pre- he didn't achieve it. Yeah. Yeah. He had big mouth, yeah. but yes. in the end, yes. he had to give up. Yeah, so it's more. And then I would guide you more and more into this process to find out what is even underlying that, that you fear that other people will look down on you and you feel defeated and ashamed that you have to go back. Mm. There's much more underlying this one. Yeah, and if you found the very deep belief underlying all this that you fear uh, to not to have enough clients and to go back and other people looking down on you, when we have found that, then I use a method to energetically release the, this belief. Okay. Because beliefs in our brain, as we all, yeah, not everybody knows, uh, beliefs are like how your neurons in your brain are interconnected with each other. Okay. And yep. certain neurons concerning a certain belief, they are locked together and they communicate by releasing some biochemical substances which create electricity between them. So you can say it's an energy, it's an electric flow, which holds a certain belief. A belief often comes with a feeling and and a picture. And you can interrupt this, like this communication system of certain neurons, because they, they can only communicate if a certain neurons allows the substance, this biochemical substance, to come into the cell. And you can block the receptor. And then if the receptor is blocked and doesn't react on a certain chemical anymore, this... Oh, I think we've actually lost Silke there. Um, let me see. I'll give it another second to, uh, to to reboot, and hopefully it'll kick back in. Um, I actually think what she was, what where she was going with that, and I completely agree with that. With where, from what I've understood, is that a limiting belief or something blocks the receptor, and therefore it makes a chemical imbalance, and your thoughts can make chemical imbalances. Um, there's a concept called neuroplasticity that I think you can change your thoughts on that, which is which is way too complicated for me. But I hey the example I remember going to a guy and saying, um, I'm pre-programmed, I'm an accountant, I uh, 
I think the way, you know, I pre-programmed my thoughts and I'm like, James, that's complete rubbish. You can actually change your thoughts. So I think what we're trying to get at, if you're fearful, you can change your thoughts. That creates new neural pathways that corrects the, the chemical imbalances in your body. And then you can go for your goals and achieve what you want to do. So it's definitely very, very, um, very apt. The other thing I just want to say before I call time on this one, it's a pity that unfortunately the signal's kicked out, is that of persistence, right? And if you haven't read the book or got the audio book, get Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And he's got a full chapter on persistence um, and pushing through with things. And of course, there's there's the, the two, well, one, one great example is Thomas Edison, who was an American inventor, one of the greatest inventors of all time, and he took 10,000 attempts to create the good old light bulb, and it kept going, and it kept going, and it kept going. And people said, why was it all those failed attempts? And he went, they weren't failed attempts, they were just lessons on how I was gonna to get to creating the light bulb, which is brilliant. The other one, pardon me, is Colonel Saunders, good old Colonel Saunders at KFC. Apparently he got rejected a 1,007 times for a secret recipe, and it was the thousand and eighth, or something along those lines, that somebody um, accepted the recipe, and that was KFC. So grit and persistence is absolutely key, folks. Unfortunately, that's uh, it cut off at the very end, but there was some great stuff there. I've been even getting asking Silka uh, some of the really fun questions, and the one was going to be was, oh, oh, we're back, we're back. Yeah, I, I got lost in between. Sorry. Oh, your grand. I was just yeah. talking. Was talking about two. two yeah. Out there. <laughs> you're, you're, it's interruption period. My fears. My fears were going crazy. But I was talking a bit about just the two things you touched on. Number one about the neurons. I think it's not neuroplasticity. Yeah. Uh, it's it's neuroplasticity yeah. because uh, you 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 inter like you interrupt already established uh, connections and you create new new ones and this is called neurogenesis oh, yeah? Okay. yeah so interrupt old ones and create new ones and this is for what i'm doing this kind of energy work excellent and then the other point i was just saying to everyone was about persistence and if you've read the book, Think and Grow Rich, there's, an, there's a full chapter about persistence in there. And it's absolutely key. So there's some absolutely fantastic tips um, taught with for our, for our audience here. So it's, it's great stuff. Now I'm going to ask you two fun questions. Yes. And that'll be, that'll be it. So we'll get the, get the good fun stuff here. So if you could be an animal, what animal would you be and why? I would love to be a caterpillar first, Ooh. who goes through a transformation to become a butterfly. And in my life, I experienced things that I took much longer than others um, to do something. And it's this kind of process to go through the transformation and become someone who is actually flying. And this kind of metaphor really helps me in these times when I say, ah, I'm really stuck. Will it ever flourish? Will I be ever where I want to be? And then I say, okay, you can't force it. Yeah. You, maybe 
what I also wanted to say, we, we are all copying people and everybody says you have to be on social media, you have to be A, B, C, D. But maybe that's not your action. Maybe you have to create another approach. If you see that a certain action is not working, come up with another idea. That's very, yeah? very, very, very So it would be actually the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. That's fantastic. I would love to be a snake because I, I've got, I am completely fearful of snakes. I just think they're fascinating. Yeah. I think they're, I think they're just amazing animals. That's me. But I do have huge fears around them. And the other one, what is the most interesting thing that you've either read or seen this week? Yeah, uh, this week I was again into how the world will look like in. 30 years, so 2050, where will we be? And I looked, uh, watched the BBC documentary on artificial intelligence. Right. And um, yeah, they, they show you what will change, the, how humans and androids and robots and artificial intelligence, where will the place be of humans? And of course, that's my profession. Uh, human behavior expert. Um, maybe I have to call myself late an android behavior yeah. expert. But, but it's very, I think we are so overwhelmed of the positivity of artificial intelligence. And the thing is, up to now, we, a lot of people don't even know themselves. They don't know who they are, why they feel that way, why they believe that way. And I find it's very, very crucial that we humans know ourselves before Google and big databases know us better because they can do psychometrics with big data, which was not there before. So you should know yourself before they know you. That's, that's very, very interesting. Even in my profession of accountancy, um, technology yeah. and, and the blockchain is taking over yeah. everything. So if our transactions are going to take, out, take care of themselves, so where, do, where does the good old accountant go to? And yeah. Uh, yeah. it's the new term of being a business partner. So going into the business and building rapport and relationships with people. So we're no longer yeah. bean counters that just count things. We actually have to come out as people. So I completely get that. And that's a fear within our profession. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I and it's a, it's a real fear. It's a, something which will change. They, they already tell you that, yeah? And let, let's see how far it, it goes. Yeah? I think 20, 30 years is still uh, not long enough, but, but you will already see changes. And we always think only in the Western world, what will all the other countries do? Will they all catch up, Africa, Asia, whatever, yeah? yeah. Let's see, because it, it uses also a lot of energy to keep all these machines uh, going. Yeah, blockchain consumes a lot, yeah. a lot of energy, yeah? But it's, it's hugely, hugely interesting. So, but thank you very much. Um, a lot of great points there for, for everyone, everyone there. Again, you, you, sent, you sent this to me whenever we were communicating. Um, Jack Canfield said that fear is fantasized experiences appearing real. And that's definitely, definitely huge about it. And how do we go around that? To plan where we're going to go, to 
to, to challenge those fears that we're talk, telling ourselves and to get new, better thoughts into our minds, to get those neural pathways firing and to persevere, which is always the big thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And this you, you really need as an attribute. If, if you don't have it, you will give up too easily. Definitely. Yeah. And, and, and so if, if my audience, if anyone wants to contact you, what is, what's the best way to, to, to get you? Yeah, the best way is over LinkedIn. Uh, silk Glab, you can <laughs> then uh, you 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 can give the right spelling. And my website, my website is silkcelia.com, Celia like Charlie. Okay. And I offer four hours intensives because I don't believe in long therapies. I have so many interventions which I really accumulate in these four hours, so it's quite powerful. Okay, okay, and I, I'll put the link up to your website as well in the description. So thank you very, very much. Um, how is Dubai? You're saying it's still 30 degrees, which... Yeah, and it's humid. <laughs> yeah, I think by now it should be still 38, 30 oh. degrees outside, yeah. And what, what time is it with you? Uh, it's now, um, spoke like 10 o'clock. It's 10 o'clock um, and yeah. 30 degrees. Yeah, really oh, warm, man. yeah. Oh man, that was, <laughs> that, was like, that was like our heat wave for six weeks, which I'd never witnessed in my entire life. I think it was like 28 yeah. degrees or something like that. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, like, luckily it didn't go too hot here. So it was a normal hot summer, summer but it, it was not higher than normal, luckily. It would be, if I was in Dubai, Silke, it would be Spot, spot the Irish Man, the pale white skin. Can't, you can't miss me. I look like a milk bottle. Like a milk Sorry. bottle. Oh, factor Sorry. 50. Fact, factor 50. All the way. All the way. Thank you so much. And I hope, folks, everybody got lots out of that. So uh, take care, everybody. I'm speak, we'll speak again. Bye now. And thank you very much. And all the best for all of you. Thank you. Thank you very much.